0: Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Between a sermonette and a full message, amen, praise the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm going to turn to Isaiah tonight. And I'll, I'll, I'll really try to be mindful of your time and especially of mine. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Isaiah chapter number 6. Thank you, Jesus. Verse 1 through 5 is what I want to read. Isaiah 6, verse 1 through 5. I'm going to try to get in that teaching mode a little bit tonight. Amen. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon the throne, high and lifted up, and his terrain, everybody said terrain, filled the temple. And above it stood the seraphim's. Each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face. And with twain he covered his feet. And with twain he did fly. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried. And the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the word of God that is forever settled. Asking you, God, to move upon our minds and bring them together tonight. Lord, that we might be encouraged, that we might be strengthened, oh God, through the word of God, that it would awaken, Lord, our mind tonight, God, because we need a spiritual awakening in this hour that we live in right now. Anoint my lips of clay. I'm standing before you, Lord, realizing my nothingness, God but knowing, God, that you can bring something out of nothing. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen. And you can be seated. If I could for a while tonight, I want to use this subject. Woe is me. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, Woe is me. In the text that I read, if you look back really to understand chapter 6, you must read chapter 5. But I'm going to fill you in just a little bit on chapter 5. In chapter 5 of Isaiah, Isaiah pronounced six woes on the inhabitants of Jerusalem and the men of Judah. The seventh woe was upon himself. So I want to talk about, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring those six woes of chapter 5 and we're going to go with this. And I, I want you to understand that uh, a woe speaks of grief. And I want you to understand that the woe, the first six woes, then chapter five is a different language. It is a different Greek word than what is spoken in chapter number six. When Isaiah spoke to himself, it became a different word. That began to stir me up. Amen. Let me tell you what the six woes are in chapter number five. First of all, the first woe was in verse number eight of chapter five. Amen. And it was a woe. I'm not going to read all of these because if I did, it'd take it. We'd be here for an hour and a half. So I'm not going to do that. But I'm going I'm to at least tell you where they're at. I'm going I'm to tell you where it's found so you can read about it. The first woe was a woe to the covetous. Everybody said the covetous. And let me tell you what it was. It was all about houses and land. We're living in a world today that seems like that there is certain people that cannot get enough. They'll buy up houses. They'll buy up land. And, and they're scared to death when one comes up for sale that they won't get there before somebody else does to buy it up. Therefore, if you want to look around, the, the riches and all the land and possessions fall in the hands of really a few, if you think about it, world over. And there were people in chapter number 5 that... Wanted to not just own a house and some land, but they wanted to own it all. I thought, you know, as I was looking at this and studying it, that does this not sound like today? Any place that there is a place that they think they can make a buck or two, they're buying it up. They don't want nobody else to get it. Amen. It's coveting. It's it's because they are greedy. Come on, we're living in a greedy world today. it's, It's in a place that people don't care about the poor. In fact, I don't believe there's a middle class anymore. It's either poor or rich. I guess I'm among the poor. That's all right. But I'm rich in spirit tonight. Hallelujah. The Lord, just after all of this, when He... Heard them talking about the land. Amen. They they covered it more fields until they would own them all. As if it would make them great on the earth. I'm going to tell you, property don't make you great. There is people that thinks that, that riches is going to make them great. But I'm going to tell you, without the Spirit of God in your life, you'll never be great. I'm not saying that it's a sin to have those things, but I'm saying that they will never amount to what they would if you had God in your life. They had begun to look and thought, they thought about many houses, even the great and the most beautiful ones. They, they wanted them too. They, was, they, was, they, they wasn't satisfied. There was no satisfaction and the Lord began to take a look and said okay if that's what you want then you just get all the houses you want and multiply the houses and just just get all you want but I'm going to place a woe upon you hallelujah for he said there will be little yield to the crops what you plant a hey man is not going to is not going to mount anything. In fact, he said ten acres of vineyard is only going to uh, only going to yield eight gallons and three pints. And he said the seed that you sow will only produce ten percent of what you've sown. He said where you. Th- Thought you was going to get rich. I'm going to make you poor because you're greedy. Whoa, hallelujah. And I began to think about that and I thought, I don't want to be rich in this world, but where I want to put my riches is in God. There is an old song that I used to sing of sending up timber. Come on, hallelujah. I don't know about you, but I want to send some material for my mansion. I'm not worried about down here. I'm never going to have a mansion down here. Come on. Well, maybe I do. Hallelujah. Amen. See, mansions don't have to cost a bunch. Glory. Hallelujah. So he says, woe to the covetors." I've got to get through this, or I will be an hour and a half. Number two, he said, woe to the drunkards. In verse 11 and 12. And they had a eat, drink, and be merry pattern going. Is this not where we're at today? Come on, here, yeah. This parallels today so well that I had to do something about it. Because we are living in a world today that's a eat and drink and be merry pattern. If it Pastor through Mitch the other night, if it, if it feels good, do it. Come on. <laughs> Anything that your eyes want to do, do it. This is the world we live in. If you can move up the ladder and stomp somebody else out of place, do it. Whatever it takes. Come on now. Is that not right? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. It was a drunken spirit that had come over them. But the Lord began to look at them and said, if you're going to have this kind of pattern, amen. And another thing that they did, they did not regard the work of the Lord, the Bible said. They failed to see where it profited them anything. Is that not where we live? Did you know that we're living in a day right now that it's harder to get people to come to church than it's ever been in our lives? I've been in this, had the Holy Ghost, getting close to 60 years. Fifty-seven years, and I am going to tell you, it's waxing worse and worse, just like the Bible said. We've been studying it. Pastor's been taking us through it on Wednesday night. We're growing worse. It's not going to get any better. If you think it's going to get better than this, you might as well just you might as well just figure on fighting some battles because we're in the battle time, and for us to keep come on, for us to keep our head above the water, we're going to have to fight. Come on, we're in a battle, church. We need to fight. The Lord said, therefore, hell hath enlarged herself. And that's where I'm going to put you. Because hell, see, hell was not made for us. It was made for the devil and his angels. But because of the wickedness of man and because of where we're headed in this world, hell has enlarged itself. It was not meant for man. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And we're seeing today, it seems like we're just, just keep on enlarging itself. The third woe was woe to those that multiply sins. In verse 18 and 19 of chapter 5. There was no feeling left of condemnation. Is that not where we're at? There, you don't even feel bad about what they do. There is—it seems like that every time you turn the news on, Sister McGee and I notice it. And it seems—and Lord help you—if some of you love Evansville, but I wouldn't—I wouldn't live in that place if they'd give me a spot down there. All you hear is murders. Come on, gang activity. Drive-by shootings, robberies—it's just an everyday thing. It's just a common everyday thing, amen. There is no feeling of condemnation. You find many of these that have have killed people. They have uh, abused babies and killed them, and 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 uh, and and it's a sad thing. But you know they're doing the same thing to animals. Yet I noticed the other day that this kind of kind of just stirred up me real good because it seemed like that a person, if they killed somebody, they got less time than a person that killed the animal. The murderer got like two years. The person that killed the animal got 27 Something going on here, folks. Something going on. I'm not saying we ought to just sit and shoot pets and animals and all of that, but I'm telling you, I think a person's life ought to be worth more. This is the kind of world that we're living in. Judges and... Lawyers are corrupt. Praise God. Woe to those that multiply sins. Verse 4, number 4. Woe to those that have no sense of right or wrong. Because of wickedness. Glory. Can I say, verse 20, no conscience. Conscience is seared with a hot iron. Amen. No feeling about it no more. They can sin. They can kill somebody. And don't even feel bad about it. No remorse. A little innocent baby. A little innocent child. Can burn them. Do all this stuff. Yet today there is no condemnation. No condemnation. Hallelujah. 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 Number five is woe to those who are proud and wise in their own eyes. Verse 21 of chapter 5. They think they're really something. When really they're nothing. They're ate up with themselves. Is that not the world we're living in? Ate up with themselves? Man, look at me. Look what I've done. Look, Look how great I am. Look how smart I am. Look how far I've gone. Is this not the world we're living in? And the sixth woe was woe to the drunkards who justify the wicked and condemn the righteous. He don't like people condemning the righteous. Verse 22 and 23. And he said, then, then he said, there are people that add sin to sin. Sin to sin. In other words, can I tell you, adding new sin. Come on. You said, well, what is new? I'm telling you, there, we're running into some stuff that we've never seen before. It's new sin. Come on. I tell you what, I, I hope to God that we as the church, when people come through our doors, that they can see some new worship. Come on. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but I'm searching to worship a different way this year than I've ever worshiped before. Sometimes it would do us good just to step out in the aisle and say, The Lord, I'm going to worship you tonight in a way that I've never worshiped you before. Come on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I wonder what God would do in our services if we would just turn the service over to Him and say, okay, God, do a new thing. The Bible speaks of it all the time. Glory. Hallelujah. It's been a while since I've seen some of you stomp or run or jump, dance in the spirit. It's been a little while. So it'd be new all over again. Maybe we are to renew our worship. It's not that we haven't had it. It's not that we don't have it now. But sometimes I think it's good to go back and reminisce where we was and where we are. Lord, what can I do to change and turn this thing around? Hallelujah. So people began to add sin to sin. This is the day that we're living in. We're living in the day now when gay couples are getting married. Come on. And all I can do is speak the word of God. They'll throw you in jail for speaking about that now. I guess they'll have to throw me in jail because I got Bible against it. If you don't believe me, Romans first chapter, just read it. Look at Sodom and Gomorrah. Just take a look. It's it's biblical. This is what this... This is what the United States was built on, was on the Word of God. There is something happening in our country, and it's not good, church. And we as the church need to fast and pray and bring this thing back to where it needs to be. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Everybody said amen. Praise God. Got to hurry on. I want to get to Isaiah 6 and verse number 5. I want to, that's my key verse, 6 and 5. Then said I, woe is me. Isaiah said, woe is me. For I am undone because I am a man of unclean lips and I, will, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the king. Now, woe is me. This is a different woe than what we started with in chapter number 5. Amen. The woe in chapter number 5 was more or less a lass or a grief. But when it's spoken, when Isaiah is speaking this woe to himself, it becomes a much more intense woe. In fact, it means lamentation or crying out. In other words, can I tell you, church, that I'm going to just tell you what I believe it is. I believe that the reason that the language changed when Isaiah put a woe upon himself, because the Bible said, he that knoweth to do good and doeth it not to him, it is a sin. Come on. We're held accountable for what we know. Isaiah felt the conviction after he had seen the Lord. Because notice the first verse in 6 was him seeing the Lord. He saw the Lord high and lifted up. He said, I saw the Lord. This changed the whole thing when he said, I saw the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And the first thing he says is, I am undone. I'm a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of the people with unclean lips. He knew where he was at. Come on, church. We live in the same spot that Isaiah did in our day. Glory. And if I would take a look at myself and if I have seen the Lord and come on church, we have seen the Lord, we have felt Him. I'm not saying literally. But we've seen the hand of the Lord deal in the church and do things. God, We have seen God move in miraculous ways The people were, are still here that had cancer. We, come on now. We have seen the Lord heal. Come on. Hallelujah. Cirrhosis so of the liver. We've seen Him do that. Come on. It is done in our services. And not just because pastor or somebody prayed for them, but they happened to come through a prayer line and there was more than one person that was praying for them. There was a group of people praying for them and God done the work. Hallelujah. And when I look around at that, I can say I'm undone. Come on. Hallelujah. Woe is me. Come on. Hallelujah. It ought not to be that we have seen those things. It ought to be a common denominator in the church of God that these things are manifested. Oh, hallelujah. We ought to see a move of God every service. Come on. We ought to see healings and, and miracles and signs and wonders. It ought to be common in our midst. Oh, I'm feeling the Holy Ghost in here. I wasn't to going to preach. Glory. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So when I see that, I know that things ain't right in my own life. If I'm not seeing it, church, there's something wrong. Come on. If the Lord is not moving in my life like he once did, then there's something wrong. Come on. If we're not seeing the things in the church that we used to see, then something is wrong. Woe is us. Glory. Glory. Just because others are undone, it should not touch us. Come on. Just because we're living amongst people, come on, with unclean lips, our speech should not change. Oh, hallelujah. Woo! Praise God. Hallelujah. Well, I better get on here. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Got unclean lips, dwell in the midst of people with unclean lips. It's affected me. Come on. Somebody looked at your neighbor and said, It's affected me. Glory. Now, I could stop right here and I could preach you seven C's. I want to talk about seven things that led Isaiah. To obey God that led him back to the place that he needed to be. And they do all start with C. Hallelujah. In verse 1, when he saw the Lord, he said, I seen the Lord. Hallelujah. Sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up. And his terrain filled the temple. The first thing, the first word that I want to bring to you that brought Isaiah, one of the first things that brought him back to obey the Lord was contemplation. He was contemplating some things. After he had seen the Lord, I want to tell you what happened. He began to see himself. I'm going to tell you, when the Lord stands beside you and you start to measure yourself by him, then you start to see yourself. He becomes a mirror to your life. Oh, hallelujah. (laughs) You start seeing yourself in a different way than you've ever seen yourself before when the Lord stands beside you. When you start measuring yourself to Him. Hallelujah. And the Bible said there that he saw the Lord lifted up. Oh, come on to church. He's above us all. I'm sorry, I don't look down on the Lord. i got to look up. (laughs) Woo, glory. Especially in the time that we live now because I want to look up because my redemption draweth nigh. And the Bible said it is train filled the temple. Now I'm going to tell you, let me tell you what that train was. You know, the weddings, you know, performed at several weddings. Everybody's got to, a different length of tail that's followed them. Well, I, I, you know, me, I'm, I, I'm always checking out that other part, you know. That, and as I began to read and study about it, the flowing of the robe, or the tail that followed the robe, is indicative to grandeur and majesty. The longer the tail, the more grander. <laughs> Well, the Bible said, his filled the temple. In fact, can I tell you, if he was high and lifted up and his terrain filled the temple, then there was no room for anything else but him. Come on, church. I want to see him like that in this church. Come on. When it's no more of me, Brother Freddie, but it's all about him. Come on. when it's no longer my preaching come on and how great of a job I do come on but it's all about him and how good of a job he does because the truth is I can't do nothing without him without his anointing church without his love I'm as a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal the Bible said come on hallelujah Oh, and it's the anointing the Bible says that breaks the yoke. So, without His anointing, without the Holy Ghost working in my life, I'm nothing. Oh, glory, Hallelujah! Oh, the grandeur and the majesty. No wonder Isaiah says, "Woe is me," because His. Terrain filled the temple. All he could see was the Lord. Come on. Come on. All he could see was the Lord and his terrain that filled the temple. All he could see was himself. In chapter number 5, he was pronouncing woes on everybody else. But when God got to him, I'm going to tell you, church, it's easy to see other people's faults. God, help that judgmental spirit. Let's get it out of the apostolic church. It don't belong. Because the truth is, I'm only a sinner saved by grace. Come on, I'm a nobody. (laughs) Whoo, glory. Hallelujah. He took my nothingness and made it something. Come on, church. I don't care where we're at in life. I don't care how much is in the bank account. I don't, how ma, I don't care how many dollars your house and your car and all that's worth. The truth is, you're nothing without God. I might remind you that he took the most refused thing in this earth and he made man. It was the dust. It's something that you ladies fight all the time and you hate it. That's what he made you out of. It's what he made me out of. Come on, I'm sorry. Should not look down on the woman. At least she had a bone. Man, we was made by the very dust. He didn't take any, any, anything good. At least he took a bone from man and made woman. Truth is, there were more than we are. All the men said amen. You, better, you, if you know which side your bread's buttered on. You better say amen. Breakfast may not be on the table in the morning. What I'm trying to tell you is. That if we're not careful what happens in the apostolic church. Is. People are looking down their nose at somebody else because they aren't dressed just like you are. Come on, they're just—they don't seem to be as spiritual as you are, and they're not as smart in the Word of God as you are. Let me tell you, they're made from the very same dirt that you was—the dust that you was made with. They was made with. I don't have no right to look down on anybody and judge them. Only according to the Word, the Word does the judge. It's not me. It's not in my place. I'm going to pray for him. I'm going to seek to get him saved. Hallelujah. Well, glory. I better hurry up. I'm... Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Isaiah realized after verse one that he was undone. And he didn't measure up. You know what? If we could see like Isaiah did we'd leave our tape measure at home and we'd quit measuring people. Come on. Instead of judging them, we'd remember where we came from. That we weren't always right either. Come on. That we were all sinners and we had to come up the way. And let me tell you, if I can just throw a little commercial break in here, let me tell you, in the world that we live in today, they got a lot more to deal with than you and I ever had to deal with. We're living in a generation that half of them probably haven't even had, had a Bible in their house. Not been taught it. Come on, church. I was blessed to be brought up in this. My mom and daddy taught me these ways. I'm, come on, church. We're blessed. Most of you have been around here a while. You've, you've had a chance to learn and be taught. You're so blessed. Not that I'm a great teacher, but my son is. Glory. I can say that. He's not here. That way he won't get big head. Thank you, Jesus. Glory. Hallelujah. So... When Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up and his train filled the temple, he began to contemplate some things. Everybody, you look at your neighbor and say, contemplate. The second word I want to use that brought Isaiah back to where he belonged was conviction. He saw himself unclean you know what we would quit judging people if we could see ourselves in fact those that you are judging probably could look at you and say some things well I heard something come out so and so's mouth I couldn't believe careful church you may have to live your words. Preachers and ministers have to live their messages. You may have to live your words you're speaking. Oh, Jesus, my, I didn't aim to get so. Well, but I want to tell you something, church. When you come in contact with His glory, you start seeing things differently. Isaiah began to look at things differently when he saw the Lord. <laughs> After the six woes that he's already pronounced on Jerusalem and Judah, and now all at once the woe comes to him. And when the Lord begins to show him some things, he begins to see himself. There's a mirror there. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. the third thing that drew him back was confession he said woe is me in chapter 5 woe is me I'm not looking at anybody else now I'm looking at me woe is me you can't, you can't say anything to somebody that talks about their self. yes sir Been retired now for, since 2010. Amen. Bishop, do you still pray? Yes, sir. You pray as long as you used to? No. No, not longer. Shorter. I'm not saying there's times that I don't spend hours at prayer, but I'm telling you on a daily on a daily basis, my prayer is not as long as it was then. I can tell you times in the middle of church. Sister McGee's here. She's my witness. But there's times that she would call me. And I'd be there afternoon. And she'd call me and say, Are you going to come home and eat? I realize, I understand I'm in a different spot now. I've, I've stepped out of the... The load bearing, all of the load bearing, and my son's got the load bearing. But I'm going to tell you, I wonder how much it helped my son if I prayed just like I always did when I was still pastor. God help me. Come on, I'm talking about me. My wife's sitting back there giving me a scolding. You pray? I, I know it, honey, but I. Oh. Don't y'all think we don't pray? We pray, yeah, we do. We still pray. But I'm saying, you know, you know, the Bible says this, and I believe it means it for pastors, pray without ceasing. What it means is there ought to be a prayer on our mind all the time. And I'm going to tell you, there was a time in my pastor, pastorship that, That's what I done is it was a consistent prayer. Everything, everything i done, everywhere I went, it was a constant prayer because I was usually on my way someplace to pray for somebody. Glory, hallelujah. And Sister McGee, we prayed before we went. We prayed on our way, and we prayed after we got there, and we prayed when we got back home. I can look back through some of the mileage that's written down and find months that there was 1,200 miles put on my car just for church purposes, running back and forth between here and Evansville, praying for the sick, doing this, visiting homes and stuff. Come on, church. If I look back through my log now, you won't see nothing like that. I'm talking about me now, so you all can't get aggravated if I talk about me. I wonder what it'd be like. If I went on and done the same thing just like I used to do, take a load off a pastor and go visit homes and pray for the sick. Come on. Come on, church. Now I'm going to put the load on your shoulder. I wonder what it would be like if you showed up an hour before church and you were still there when church started like it used to be. We walked out the doors, come on, of the prayer room into the service and it had already begun because people were already speaking in tongues. Come on. Sometimes people were already at the altar. Come on, church. Oh, stir us up, Lord. Woe is me. Woe is me, Lord. Woe is me. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I confess, Lord. I confess. Hallelujah. God began to deal with me about this at the end of the year. And I started this year and said, I'm going to be different than I have been for the last few years. There's got to be a change in me. Not that I'm backslid, not that I'm giving up, not that none of that stuff. But I'm going to tell you, I think I need to be more intense. Come on, there is a world out here that's more intense, and the only way we're going to win the intense world is for the church to get intense. We got to get intense in our worship. We got to get intense in our prayer. We got to get intense in in our in our witnessing. You know there's somebody at your work at place that's just waiting on your testimony. Oh Jesus, I' got to hurry up here. It's not a sermon that. Done past that. All right. The fourth thing that led Isaiah back toward God was cleansing it's all seas. it's cleansing verse 7 it said his sin was purged it was made clean come on church hell yeah. we're living in a time today brother Freddie when it seems like that we're not close enough to God for him to give us that feeling that when something is done wrong we don't, don't feel it like we used to it's not as big a deal as it used to be, yes it is come on, sin is still sin but if we're not careful it slips in under the cover and it don't seem wrong anymore you might know what I'm talking about am I just talking to myself here God help me it takes me back to that old song probably some of you won't even remember Stevie Sanders it's been too this before your time Stevie Sanders used to sing on the gospel Jubilee. you used to sing with the Goodmans back years ago when the Goodmans was really the Goodmans He used to sing a song. You're the only Bible that some people read. Oh, come on. God. Man, I'm telling you, if we're the only Bible in Mount Carmel that's walking around here, I wonder what this world is saying. I wonder how much the word has changed. If I'm the King James version, I wonder how many I wonder what the version is now. Have I changed it? What version are we putting forth? What are we acting like? What what words have we removed? What sin have we removed from it? Where are we at? I need a cleansing. Isaiah, he said, I'm undone. I, I'm a man with unclean lips. Maybe he was saying some things that he didn't used to say. You know, things work their way back into our life, and it comes, and we blame it on things sometimes. But it don't, don't make God any less Because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. The Bible says, And there's no shadow of turning in him, And no variableness at all. None. He don't vary. Guess who the variance comes from? We change, not God. Glory. The fifth thing, that stirred him up was in verse 8 the call everybody said the call I know nobody wants to hear this but I'm going to go ahead and do it anyway whether you believe it or not it's not just ministers that get a call every saint in this church has a call God has got a call on your life I don't know it may be interceding in prayer your call may be music it may be singing it may be visiting the sick and praying for them it may be mopping the floors and cleaning the bathrooms it may be sweeping the carpet cleaning the pews it may be washing windows but God has placed a call on your life he did not mean for us as the church to come in and sit down on our seat. Come on. I, I, somehow I think this is not uh, something maybe we don't zero in on so much, but the truth is, it seems like in this day and the hour that, that when we come in and receive the Holy Ghost and are baptized in Jesus' name, it's time to sit down and relax. It's time to get with it. Come on, you got the power. You notice what they've what they done? Hey, when the, when the apostles received the Holy Ghost, he sent them out two by two. He said, you go preach this gospel. Go. Go. Come on. He's, he's got a job for you to do. You're to do some witnessing. You're to tell your story to somebody. Just like we had a remembrance service. Brother Terry Beaver got up and told what God had done for him and the move that was in his life, what was happening in his life. You know what? I'm going to say this now. I should have been the first one to do it. But the truth is, we ought to have all been run the aisles. What a testimony. And it was right in our midst. We've seen that happen, church. We have seen the change. Dixie and Molly. I'm glad to have you all here. I've been a school bus this week. Molly's been one of my riders. And I've kept her in line, sister. I really did. She come out today out of school, come running toward me. And... And I don't remember, I think it was a Tyler. Tyler, I think. Tyler wants me to go home with him, so I'm going to go home with Tyler. I said, no, you're not. Molly, your mama expects me to drop you off right in front of the house. And, girl, that's where you're going. You're going with Bishop to the house. And then if mama wants to let you go, that's up to her, but not through me. I'm not giving that Okay. Come on, church. We need to teach our youth. Come on. We need to start early. Come on. Come on. There are some ways that we taught our children. I guarantee you they've not forgot about. Sometimes I had to learn from the heat on the seat. I'm not talking about sitting down either. glory so the call the call was whom shall i send let me tell you that call is not quit. the lord is still saying whom shall i send and i'm telling you he's looking the church over and some of you that have said and not really got involved he's saying whom shall i He said, whom shall I send? I know we laugh about that, but that's the truth. He's looking every one of us in the eye. And he said, what are you going to do? Whom shall I send for this job? What are you going to do about it? You know, oh my, oh, I get down here and, i I may ruffle your feathers a little bit. I don't know. Come on, there's a plea put out from the platform, maybe. Pastor saying, I need some people to help. I need some to do something. Just raise your hand. our hands folded and then i hope it's somebody that i like to work with i'm tell you what i just can't stand that sister so and so they get on my nerves You tell me that ain't a judgmental spirit? Maybe they don't like you either. Oh, God. I'm meddling. Uh, I've got to hurry here. Ooh. ain't been an hour long yet, has it? Oh, mercy. Getting close, though, isn't it? Somebody's, I know somebody's keeping track. I know. So the call. Everybody said the call. Look to your neighbor and say, I'm listening for the call. That's good. I wonder what you're going to do about it after you hear it. Uh The sixth thing that brought Isaiah to his mind track toward God was consecration. Verse 8, he says, here I am. Send me. You know what? That's what the Lord is wanting to hear, those five words. Here I am. That's six, isn't it? No, that's five. Here I am. Yeah. Send me. That's that's five words. I'm using y'all. Y'all know I'm setting you up. Five words, right? Here I am. Come on, that's all he wants to hear. Here I am, send me. Did you know that the number five, according to biblical numerologists, means favor with God? If you want his favor, all you've got to do is say, here am I, send me. So if you, don't, if you don't say those words, then you're not in favor with God. some work to do. Amen. Woe is me. The Bible says woe is me if I preach not the gospel. So there's a woe on me to begin with. Oh glory. Here I am. Send me. Seven. I'm getting there. See I'm about there. The last word. This is what really done it. And he said Verse 9, go. Now, I'm sorry, but I believe that I can't say that word strong enough because when that come across, I believe it got Isaiah's attention. He said, go. He said it with authority. And we're going to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Go. And he said, Go. And tell this people, hear ye indeed, but understand not. See indeed, but ye perceive not. He said, I don't want you to beat around the bush. I want you to tell them they're sinners. That they're not listening very well. He that doeth knoweth to do good, and doeth it not to him is what? Sin. We got any sinners in here? I'm undone. Now, I'm I'm, I'm fixing to close here. I'm trying real quick within the next two or three minutes. I want to read Isaiah 6 and 3. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. And one cried unto another. Talking about the seraphims, the angelic beings. I don't know whether you catch this or not, but if you have never caught this, I want you to catch this. What they were doing is singing to one another. It was a little discourse going on here. On one side, they were singing, Brother Alex. Holy, holy, holy. Come on. Holy, holy. Come on this side. Do it again. Holy, holy, holy. Then the other side. Come on. Holy, holy. Come on. Holy, holy, holy. But you know what they were doing? I believe when they were doing this, Sister Roberta, they were looking at the others across. Holy, holy, holy. Holy, holy, holy. No wonder Isaiah got stirred up. Because you know what they was doing? His terrain filled the temple. And he was high and lifted up. And the presence of God came in that place. Because they were singing, holy is the Lord. Come on. Oh, I wonder what would happen if we'd start singing it back and forth when we come into the service. Holy, holy, holy. And the other side starts singing, holy, holy, holy back. And we kept that going for about ten minutes. Okay. Oh, Jesus. I'll tell you what would happen. It would happen just like verse 4. And the post of the door moved. At the voice of him that cried. Glory. So powerful was this singing. That the post of the door moved. And the Holy Ghost smoke filled the house. The anointing. The Holy Ghost filled the house. Honey. When the Holy Ghost fills the house. Nobody is going to sit in the house without it. They're going to be filled. Oh yeah. Come on, I still remember it. Come on, it was still in our remembrance. It was that night. But I remember the night. I don't remember even how many of you were here. But I remember in the first church that night when there was, I I had the guitar. And I was getting ready to start church. And somebody came to the altar. And that night before, without ever a song being sung. A message being preached or anything. There were six people that night that received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And one of them was next right next to the was right next to the back pew. A man 76 years old that had heart trouble, that was not supposed to get excited, and God filled him with the Holy Ghost, sitting right on his seat. I remember in the second church, Sister Peterson sitting about the fourth seat back. Oh, glory. She was not standing. She was sitting. And the Holy Ghost came on her. And she began to speak in other tongues during the service. Come on, church. I'm talking about holy, holy, holy. I'm talking about worshiping God. Oh. Hallelujah. Whew. My bed getting close to an hour now. I better shut see. up. Hallelujah. I wonder if we'd be fearful of the presence of God got so strong in here. That brother Mike, that post that's behind you started moving because of the presence of God. I wonder what you'd do. (laughs) Woo! Sister Nadine, if the presence of God, the smoke came in this house and you couldn't see Bishop up here. Oh, Jesus. Woe is me. I'm undone. I'm a man of unclean lips. I'm not what I used to be. God, I need to change. And I'm closing. And I pinned yet this afternoon that I'll worry about you when you're in the presence of God in service. Time after time. And yet there's no feeling. When you when somebody over here is worshiping and somebody over here is saying, what's going on with them? No feeling. I'm worried, church. I'm worried when somebody else feels the presence of God and I can't. What's wrong with me? Whoa, whoa. Whoa. It's glory. what oh, was me. Oh, Jesus. I wish Brother Jerry was here tonight, but he's not. But anyhow, maybe we'll just hold it off till Sunday night or whenever I don't know when I'll preach next I don't don't know I may have to do both of them or I may have to just do one I don't know yet weekend we're going to do something but I'm going to tell you Sister Bertie all I could do when I pinned that this afternoon was think about that song used to sing move me with your message. One more time. God, move me with you. I don't know if you're tired of it or not, I, I wonder if you're tired enough and you come through this door that you're tired of coming through. And, and the, the message, the singing, not moving you anymore. Well, we're singing new songs. That's all right. They still move me. Come on. Oh, we're singing the old songs. I just can't get into that. Come on, church. It's nothing more than words. Come on, it's words. Anointed priest, anointed message through song. God, it ought to move us. I'm tired of it, church. I want to be moved by his presence. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost in this place tonight. I want to be moved. I, I, I'm not going to go in through no long thing here, but I'm, on, I'm just going to. I'm just opening this altar tonight. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, with the username facmc. Again, that's facmc.